0: This is the best album ever, the show that takes a look at one of the greatest albums of all time and dives deep into not only why it ranks up there, but also what about it personally affects my guest. I'm your host Ben Helms and today we're covering a lot more than just one album. We're covering a piece of a much larger vision of a single man and his bandmates, I suppose. But yeah, something larger than just music, just an album, something that crosses mediums, space and time, goes from audio to visual, album to literature. Uh, Something that's definitely a whole new world for me. Something that, yeah, was definitely very enlightening and educational uh, and a little uh, intimidating. But yeah, definitely excited to get into it with my guest today, co-host of the How to Read Comics podcast, which will be coming back soon. Maybe this comic-like episode will bring that podcast back. But yeah, my longtime friend,
1: Nick Gates. How's it going, man? Hey, doing good. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of, too, is like this would be like a good kind of crossover episode, I guess. Definitely. But it just so happened that this this uh was a good platform for me to kind of dive back into my high school days and yes. kind of figure out what was kind of the best album that fits me. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I'm glad to be here. Thanks.
0: Yeah, man. I actually chatted with Jason, your co-host, my yes. brother on how to read comics. Uh actually my brother in real life, your co-host on the podcast. Anyway. <laughs> Brother in Uh, Arms, (laughs) yes, yes. And he said, I asked him if he'd ever read any of the the Emery Wars. Mm -hmm. But when we went to Comic Con in oh seven, oh eight, somewhere in there, he got super deep into the Emery Wars like lore. I guess. Oh, like started diving in and like learning about Coheed and Cambria and Claudio and like all this stuff. And for whatever reason, like either you know the he didn't get the next comic or whatever it was, but it ended at some point. But he said he was really into it for just like a month or two. Oh so cool. That might that might be a future podcast
1: for you. Yes, we'll have to talk future about episode. it. We'll yeah, have to yeah. dive back in for sure. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's get into this. Anyway, we're talking around it. So when we chatted a few weeks ago, uh you sent me a list of the, the potential albums. You sent me a little screenshot or a little shot of, of like some like graph paper sheet that you were working on mm-hmm. that had this like matrix of grades and numbering systems. And it looked very overwhelming. I think most people are like, this album, because I listened to it the most, but you had like a grading sheet. Yeah. And so can we yeah. start with just like the criteria that you used to make that list that you sent me and how you ended up picking like what one and how you know how they ended up picking a winner out of that?
1: Yeah. So what's kind of funny about that story. Um, I don't have my notebook with me right now. I should probably have brought that to the podcast, <laughs> but the, it, you'll see why I didn't in, in a second. Yeah, yeah. But what's funny about that um, was, yeah, we talked and I was like, sweet, I have this brand new notebook. Pocket notebook, I pulled it out and I just started gritting it out. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to list out a bunch of albums that meant something to me in the last decade or so. And so I listed out just albums in general that I basically the ones that just popped to the f- front of my mind. Yeah. And then I was like, well, how am I going to grade these? So I, you know, put a few lines down and, you know, things like, you know, musicality. Was it like an actually a good like album to listen to musically? Yeah. Like, was it doing something different? Was it? you know, were the people accomplished in the instruments that they were playing. Uh, Then I think there was another one was uh, composition. So not only were they actually skilled at what they, that what they played, um, that they could produce it and put it together in a package that sounded good. Yeah. Um, and then further down the line, you know, there's a few other things. Um, but further down the line, it got a little bit more, you know, heartstringy and was, you know, does this album tell me a story or mm-hmm. how did I you know, another one was how does it make me feel? And I was like literally just putting in like happy faces or or sad faces or melancholy faces, whatever you want to call it. But that's where it got to. And then once I kind of got to that stage of grading, I realized that the whole other part of it uh, didn 't really matter the musicality, the production I was getting too clinical with it, I felt like, so I really started then focusing on that storytelling aspect, and that 's kind of where we landed uh you know it, it whittled down a little bit, but in the age now of like s- streaming music it 's so easy just to listen to like your favorite songs totally. and that 's why i 've been such a fan of this this show on overthink is because you 're talking about albums as a whole. Yeah. And I think that is something of a lost topic. People don't. I mean, I, you know, I don't follow music critics too much, but you go read a few like reviews on the big one, like Pitchfork and stuff. And they they do a really good job of trying to take the album as a whole and and say something yeah, about it. For sure. But even then, with those, they can get they can get hung up on just the style of someone's voice even. And then it like, oh, this got a terrible rating because I just can't stand the guy's voice. Right.
0: Pretty subjective.
1: That's true for a lot of people. But for me, it, you know, I, I was really focused in on on this story aspect because we can we can say what we can say about single songs and stuff, but you can't say much about albums anymore. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. So getting into story, I was like, well. Of these albums I picked, which one actually works as an album and which one actually uses the the format of putting an album, like a grouping of songs together to tell a story? Mm -hmm. Because that means something to me. Um, And that's where I landed on the band Coheed and Cambria. Okay. Which is interesting to me that you already had. You had the band before the album. I had the band before the album. That's a first. Yeah. Then I got a little bit more heady about it once once I got to the band. But you know why now that you could probably land on this band as a storytelling band. Yeah. That's why I landed there. And and you could pick any of their albums probably. But as a whole, I kind of picked the band because their whole thing is that they're telling a story through their music. Album after album, even. A continuous story, album yeah. after album. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of where my grading took me is, you know, being very clinical to like thinking about, you know, all the little different pieces of that go into making a, an album and then out on the other side, what to me really felt like the only way to grade an album for me as like a great album is an album that tells a story. And there's mm-hmm. plenty of other musicians out there that take that format and tell stories Um, But in from with my life experience and the the stuff that I like, um, Coheed and Cambria were like the epitome of storytelling in song or in in album form, not just in song form, but in album form. And Um, yeah, when
0: I think of concept albums, which is what this album has been called, I think, mm -hmm. and a lot of their albums are, uh, I think of like Rush and like, you know, like space travel and like just kind of like crazy sci-fi stuff. I think of thrice had a four disc set that came out i want to say 2008 ish uh with i think water air earth and fire and yeah. it's like six songs dedicated to each element which is very conceptual right and if you think about concept albums and this band this album and a lot of their albums code cambria's Kind of just took that to the next level. They like, they're like, oh, that's that's cute that you guys want to like tell a story over your twelve songs,
1: sure, or have a have a theme. Or yeah, have yeah. like oh a cute
0: theme over this. That that's adorable. Let me just take this and like multiply it times a hundred and also do this stuff outside of the album too. That's way harder. And yeah, but yeah. So how how did you pick
1: this album? Because a, a lot of their albums do that, like you said. Sure. So, uh, for me, what it was is a little bit of, you know, that heartstring moment and, uh, their, their first album, uh, the second stage turbine blade, um, I think they had a demo album before that, but anyway, their, their first like, uh, album, album, uh, second stage turbine blade was the first, the first compact disc that I put into my car when I got my driver's license. And that was what I rocked down the road listening to. Um, so I've got a lot of connection to that album. Songs like Everything Evil and Devil in Jersey City were just those, you know, I was 16 years old, just driving down in the dark in the summer, and you could just rock, rock out with the windows yeah. down and yeah. just Nostalgia. Feel awesome. For sure. But for me, um, you know, and, and listening to some of the other episodes you've had, um, Corey was, I think, your your first guest. And she yeah. said something that that um kind of resonated with me was wanted to pick an album that was more approachable by anyone. Hmm. Um yeah. and I, not that not that the album I chose was the most approachable <laughs> album yeah. in the world. It's sure. definitely not the most approachable, but yeah. I think the album that I chose um in keeping secrets of silent earth 3 already not approachable. Right.
0: Just as soon as you say the name like in in what? It's the third Wait, one? What do you mean?
1: Keeping silent, third it's the second album or the third album? Is that a
0: full <laughs> sentence? It's a prepositional phrase. What are we doing here?
1: <laughs> uh Even though it's not approachable, I felt that it was their earliest album Mm -hmm. that was most indicative of the rest of their work. Okay, yeah. So if you were going to jump into this this band, which now I hope you are just totally like in and on board. Oh, dude. But this would be the one. This would be the one to start with. And then like if you listen, if you uh, listen to their third album, uh, "Good Apollo," I'm Burning Star Four. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Volume one. Volume one. From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. That's the yeah. full name. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it so much. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, we should
0: we should have a little disclaimer here. It's probably too late. But, like, the naming conventions for the the albums, for even the comics, for the, the names of songs, make no sense if you haven't read, we haven't even talked about this yet, the comics. Right. Can you do yeah. like, an intro to kind of where the comic idea came
1: from? Sure. Just to go back to my 16-year-old self a little bit, yeah, um, yeah. I got into this band not because of comics or anything like that. I, I, if you listen to our other podcasts, you'll you'll know that I am the comic book newbie between me and and Jason. Sure. And I only started reading comics maybe about two years ago. So uh, back in high school when I was listening to this band, I, I got this album from my buddy Jay. Jay was always kind of on the in of different bands, em- and it was just that that age. And he got me into Thrice, he got me into Thursday, AFI, nice. oh yeah, all that kind of stuff. You know, I have a Jay in my life. Yeah, yeah, love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, East Bay hardcore all the way. <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> uh, there's some songs I got to listen to now. It was, we're close to the holiday season. AFI is a great Halloween band. Just, just saying. Anyway, um, Days of the Phoenix was one of my first.
0: Like this song, yeah. this song yeah. knows my soul. I was like 14 or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yes. the Days of the Phoenix speaks to me.
1: No more borrowing your CDs, mom and dad. <laughs> I'm right. listening to my own music. Bro, my friend's CDs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. uh, but he gave me the uh, he gave me a second stage turbine blade. Nice. And it was that point of which I, you know, I, was, I, I listened to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. It was the first time I was like, whoa, a, a song can be longer than five minutes or long I mean, yeah. seven minutes. Yeah. This is awesome. This is great. So that was my extent in my knowledge of the band. At, at the same time, he's like, Yeah, they're like, it's like rock and roll Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> That's a good it's, description. Uh, yeah. It's it's like this, they have this like story like he didn't even know the whole story either when he gave me the the album he, i think he got it from his brother blah 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 you know one of those things sure but you know i didn't really pay attention i always knew they had that comic book aspect to it but i didn't read any of comics um i got into college a buddy of mine had a couple issues of those comics sitting on his coffee table and i like kind of thumbed through them i was like oh sweet i've always been i always knew these were out here but i didn't know i never looked at them before but i, I didn't remember it so Um, It wasn't until actually you invited me to come on the podcast. I was like, okay, I should get into the comics.
0: And uh,
1: right now on Comixology, it's $4.99 a month. It's it's like the Netflix for comics um, that Amazon does. All of the Amory War uh, comics, which are all the comics that follow the story behind each of these albums by Coheed and Cambria, are on there. And you can read them for free. Well, you can read them for $4.99 a month. Yeah, sure, sure. So this was the impetus to get me to actually get into that comic. So uh, that combined with, you know, me working with Jason on how to read comics is really just bolstered. It's just the right time. It's really gotten me back into the band again. This is... um, uh, to talk a little bit more deeply about it you know this, the re- another reason why this is kind of the bet I I picked it as my best album ever was because it's that one album it's the one band that I like a couple times a year I just kind of jump back into and just listen to nonstop for a month or two don't listen to anything else and then I'll get back off on some other tangent but it's just one that has just been with me for a long time and um this actually gave me the opportunity to dive deeper into a band that I went and saw in concert when I was 16 and 17 years old. And just like, is a lot of my first major, like this is like a rock band. This is what music is outside of just listening on your headphones. You know, this was a lot of the first time stuff for me. Totally. So um, it's great to re-engage it and to, to now like have this uh, to get into the comic books. So, uh, I guess to answer your question further about the comic books, uh, it makes the album make a l- little bit more sense. Uh, again, not the most approachable thing, but you start putting these connections together and you start getting this plot line and uh, it makes the album a little bit more, uh, makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. You know, doing some of the research in the interviews I read of, of Claudio Sanchez, the front man and author of the books and yeah. the music. It gives you a little bit more insight of what the process it was and where the music came from. And in a couple of the interviews I read, he really puts the the idea forth that he has these like this idea for the story, a nucleus for each album. And they he's got this ongoing story and he tries to hit a new arc with mm-hmm. each album. Sure. And he has the story in his mind, he writes the music, and then the scripts from the comic books come kind of out of the music but they're a little bit more fleshed out. So there is a little bit of quite a bit of continuity between them, but there's also yeah. quite of a, a bit of whatever the opposite of continuity is. There's a, a little yeah. bit more subjectivity to it. Sure.
0: So, and Yeah. I, in looking at like kind of the lyrics and some of the, um, I guess just some of the allusions and stuff it, within those songs. One of the websites I go to is song meetings and basically it's all, yeah. it's a wiki, right? Where you just piece, people comment on it randomly and you can yeah. get voted up or down depending on how your comment is. And a lot of them are fr- comments from, like, 2004, 2003, mm-hmm. like, when the album came out. Uh, but some of the, the comments were things like, yeah, this song's obviously about a bad breakup, uh, and, you know, this really helped me when I was going through my breakup with my girlfriend or whatever. I was yeah. like... Yeah, I don't know if it's about that. I guess that's cool that it could be about that. And then, the, you know, the other one that got voted up ten times or whatever was, like, this is when Claudio Kilgannon is making his way from this planet to this planet. Right. And he's talking to these people. This person gets shot. And it's, like, all the details of the, and, like, plot points of the comic that, like, that came out way after this, too. They didn't come out at the same time.
1: No, no. they Yeah, uh, they came out way after. Yeah.
0: So the guy who broke up with his girlfriend, read, you know, just heard this song at the time it was like it's obviously about this and didn't know anything about the comic and it still works on that level which i think is the coolest thing about this album what was the
1: username it was probably it might have been me no (laughs) (laughs) i no i I mean that's the thing too and that's the those are the memories that i've had of this album were i didn't have the comic book references or the real story references i knew it was like this this sci-fi concept that this band was just like yeah we're gonna tell a story through our music and I didn't really know what that story was, but, you know, we'll talk about it in this album. Let's see what uh, track three cuts marked in the March of Men. There's this line in there. It's and I'm getting ahead of myself. But there's a line in here in there. It's uh, if I can't have her, then why should I be alive anymore? Something like that. Um, I'm terrible with with lyrics, but furthers my point. I, that got me through high school breakup. And I was just like, you know, so angsty, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was just like this. I just have vivid memories of going on night runs with my iPod, and, like just like belting out yeah, that totally. song and like punching the air and, you know, real footloose, you know, dance running. Yeah. Uh, ang- angry dancing. I love it. <laughs> there weren't any abandoned mills around me, but, you know. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. Just doing flips
1: off logs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> to further that, yeah, this album is in a way meant to do that. Yeah. The guys in the band say it themselves it's subjective we like playing in that world of not every word and these every lyric in these songs are explicitly a, a plot point in the story yeah they can mean whatever you want them to mean and and that's kind of the cool part about it too because I think that's what's gotten them some success, and it definitely in their fan base, you know, people love these guys. People love this band. Those the the community that's been built up around this band, they get it, but they don't necessarily operate on this like story. They operate on their own story, right? And so the band loves playing with the fact that it's subjective. It, it can suggest two different things or three different things or a hundred different things there just so happens to be a story that this kind of connects to yeah that we think but if it helps you with your girlfriend then that's awesome too
0: yeah i mean and it can get problematic at times Mm -hmm. i mean you know again we'll Mm -hmm. get into the lyrics later but there's songs like the one you know about al the killer about the guy that kills people that is you know screaming these horrific things in the song it's like
1: if you didn't know this was about a comic yeah it'll be pretty dark, yeah I wrestle with those, but then that's where I'm like, oh yeah, th- there's a story that that doesn't that's not literal, that means something in the story, and it does mean something in the story exactly, and it's it.
0: not glorifying it in the story either, it's no, not, no, yeah, no, no yeah exactly it's it's just describing bad guys, basically, yeah,
1: yeah, so. yeah, and that's the other thing that i I figured out too the one of the realizations with the comic book. Was you know each song is like an issue of a comic book, and if mm-hmm. if you read a comic book, if you read any story, but in comic books especially, you know you'll be reading a page and it'll be so and so and so and so, and they're having a conversation, and then you flip the page and it's like, and across the galaxy, so and so is talking, right? Meanwhile, a- meanwhile, back at the farm, right? Uh, a very you know if you've seen Star Wars, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, someone's on one planet, another person on another planet, but it can make those really like crazy shifts. So when you're reading a comic book, you have uh, uh, Jason would have some really smart w- phrase to say about this. Sure, of course. And he's and I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, it's uh you're flipping the page, you under- there's there's movement, there's time that happens between the cells of a of a comic book yeah. and between pages, like you understand the movement of time. Right. In a song, it's moving at a tempo and at a pace and it doesn't give you a chance for you to necessarily break that up with your mind cuz it's It's on tempo. It sounds like it should all be okay. It's all chronological, right? Yeah. So if uh, you're listening to this album and you're hearing some of the lyrics, what the comic book helped me figure out finally and why these lyrics are so kind of all over the place and crazy is that each song is being told by multiple point of views Mm -hmm. throughout the one song. Yeah. So you have, you know, a, a line where someone's saying, you know, I'll get you and uh, I hope you die. And then you, you have the, the next line saying, you know, um, if if only I could see her again, I would tell her I love her. Yep. So you've got these like two like crazy sides and it sounds like it's all from one point of view. Right. Right. But I would caution ev- the listeners if you haven't listened to this before or you you haven't read the comic books, but you've heard their music before these songs are not necessarily always coming from the same point of view. Yeah. And that was something I never got, but I always just loved jamming out and just singing it out and didn't really care what point of view it was, but the, the comics really helped uh, flesh that out quite a bit.
0: Yeah. They definitely clarify a lot of the lyrics, I'm sure. Uh, and so my kind of personal history with this, it's basically that, you know, I I knew a favorite house Atlantic, right? That's the, yeah. one of their biggest singles I've ever had. It was kind of their burst onto the scene song in 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. And the good Eye Sniper song, that's the song, yeah. right? That, that's the line people know. And
1: he sings in the highest falsetto of the whole. Oh, it's so great. It's it's like probably, I'm sure he gets a lot of flack for that, oh, but yeah. it's like, it's so
0: high. And he has that super, I mean, it reminds me of, I do if you were listening to the Mars Volta. Yeah. Uh, that was one of Jason's finalists for best album ever. But yeah, yeah Mars Volta is very similar to Claudio's voice. Um, Cedric. Cedric Bixler-Zavala, obviously. Similar hair, too. He does have very similar hair. Exactly. I used to get them confused. Anyway, similar voices, similar music occasionally too. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I knew that song. Uh, One of my best friends uh, in high school told me, he's like, yeah, it's Cody and Camry is this new band. They write comics about their albums and they're named Cody and Camry because that's two characters in in the comics. I was like, no, it's like blowing my mind. He's like, (laughs) and when they come up with a new comic, when this like run ends, they're going to have a new band name. And every time they go to a new comic, They have a new band name and they're like this like camouflage band kind of thing. I was like, sure. That's the coolest thing ever. What happens if and Camry becomes big though? And like, you have to like drop that. And it's like, I kept going to all these like, what ifs. And that's not exactly how it worked at the time. This is like before Wikipedia, before YouTube, before, you know, this early internet. Uh, And so, yeah, I thought it was just like, like gimmicky thing that they use to like promote their band and like promote the album. They're like, oh, we wrote a comic book about it. I didn't realize it was this, like, intertwined thing that each of them work independently but are both elevated together that I realize now. But, yeah, you sent me this great primer of the Emery Wars, too. We'll put the links in the show notes. But fascinating, just kind of catch you up, basically, on the first album, right? The events of the first album setting you up for this album. Yeah. One last thing to do before we get into the track list Mm -hmm. is, again, to elevate the track list, I think we should give the listeners kind of as quickly as possible yeah kind of the plot summary of the first album sure i mean it's probably going to take a few minutes but like a, a general introduction to kind of the couple main characters we don't need to get too much into the dark murdery stuff because there is some of that there's a lot of that yeah and so maybe keep it as light as we can uh yeah <laughs> well
1: why don't you give a, your crack at sure. it first because i i think i'll go off into the weeds too much i like it okay i'll give my overview so the yeah the first four albums are connected tetralogy uh
0: telling the story of the Kilgannon <laughs> family. Amidst the 78 worlds of Heaven's Fence, which is this fictitious universe, basically, of these interconnected planets. Uh, And so Coheed and Cambria are two people, a married couple, that uh, they began as the primary protagonists of Claudio's story. uh, And Claudio is their son. Uh, They find out early on that they are cyborgs. Mm-hmm. And to kind of end their the the stuff within them that makes them cyborgs is, is some sort of uh a virus, right? That can infect the whole universe and kind of tear down all of humanity and all of the universe. So mm-hmm. uh they have to end up actually like killing their own family to kind of get rid of the virus, and one of their sons, Claudio, escapes and Coe and Camry end up over the entire like I think it's ten uh ten comics in that uh-huh. uh in that season or in that run. Mm-hmm. Uh end up Like mutating and becoming monsters somehow, and end up fighting towards the end as the virus overtakes them Uh, and fighting against what are the two main, I guess, big bads are uh, Wilhelm Ryan. Yes. And who's the other one?
1: Mayo, Defton Wolf. Mayo, Defton Wolf.
0: Yes, is the general. So I just can't uh,
1: believe his name is Mayo.
0: Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Right. Mayonnaise? What's that about? Uh, Anyway, and Claudio ends up escaping and having his his own adventures, and there's these angel like people. Yeah, that the prize. Uh, one of the prize, Ambolina ends up trying to protect Claudio, and so it yes. kind of ends with yep. her heading towards Claudio to to protect him and kind of help him overrule, overtake the bad guys, basically.
1: Right. Uh, anything else from the first comic that we need to cover? Yeah, the big, the big overarching thing that carries on into this album and this this arc of the story is the big bad, the uh, Tri Mage Wilhelm Ryan. He's the emperor. Yeah. Uh, Darth Sidious, if you right. will, of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of this story. He's got this big master plan that mm-hmm. you don't know exactly what's going okay. on. And he's using Coheed and Cambria as his weapons. Right. Um, they have this virus in him, in them. And if he can activate those viruses in them, Coheed will basically destroy the universe and Cambria will uh, regenerate the, the universe. Gotcha. Um, and then there's a third... Android by the name of Inferno who is coheed's brother um, and he's kind of the leader of this rebellion right. against Wilhelm's plan gotcha. so at the end of the first album at the end of the first arc uh, Wilhelm is is successful at getting that chain of events to happen okay uh, coheed basically just des- starts destroying this universe um, and cambria ends up you know saving it a bit but it still seems to be part of wilhelm's plan okay um so that's kind of where we left off um cool. with that album how clear was that before the comic books came out i had no idea okay any of that story was Pretty, going on okay
0: that's okay i should know from the lyrics of the first album if any of
1: that was i mean i guess if you jumped on the internet you would probably figure that out eventually but honestly i didn't know I And mean, then but you still, still go back and it's just those those little like things that you hear along the way from like your buddies that are also in it. And be like, totally. yeah, you hear it, like, oh yeah, oh, yeah the monster is like the, that's the virus. Oh, and, that's yes. what. That's and right. you just hear these little parts, but you never put it all together. Um, yeah. and even putting it all together is is hard in itself. But yeah, yeah, the universe uh, called Heaven's Fence has been destroyed, and then part of it has partially been rebuilt. But you're still in the middle of this battle uh, between this big bad Darth Vader type right. bad guy. Um, this mage and a rebellion and that's yep. where this album picks up
0: sweet so it starts with a phone ringing yes woman answers hello and then big ol' pianos choir orchestral mm-hmm. piece and that's the first track on the album the ring in return yeah uh, and it it kind of signifies the passage of time right between the first ser- the first album and the second album and i heard that it was like 10 years in between
1: uh in the story yeah it's a 10 year period but the albums only came out a couple years apart but no that's what i meant sorry but story-wise it's, yeah, it's, yeah so that theme that you hear on the first track after the gal like- answers the phone is kind of like their overture yeah um they had themes they had parts of that theme in the, the last album so it's kind of like gotcha. opening credits that's cool okay uh yeah, and then uh, after that Overture plays, you hear a voice that says, uh, what does it say? It says, Apo- hello, Apollo, where should I begin? Yeah. And if you dipped into the comic book at all, you find out Apollo is Claudio's dog that he left with his girlfriend, Miwo. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the whole arc, this arc, is basically Claudio talking to his dog outside of his girlfriend's home. Because he's too afraid to go knock on the door and talk to her. So that phone ringing is him calling her and she's saying hello and he hangs up. And so then he's outside with the dog and chatting with his dog, telling, retelling the last 10 years of his life, recounting this whole story to his dog, Apollo.
0: So is the rest of the album what took place in those 10 years?
1: Yeah, it jumps back and forth oh, in time. Yeah, it gotcha. goes all back and forth. Okay.
0: That's what I was wondering. Okay.
1: And then uh, the other thing to say too is that this album is not in chronological order oh, gosh. or the same and I should say it's not in the same order as the comic book is because the comic book it comes it is not in chronological order either. I'm sure because
0: of that there's like there's holes in my my vision of the plot cuz I haven't read the comic. So yeah,
1: one one last note too. Yeah. If you're going to read these comic books, you're good on the first one don't the, the first one's pretty rough and they admit it too yeah, they, yeah. they go like our ideas were rough the music was rough again that's why i didn't pick that album because it's just a little bit more rough around sure, the edges sure. this is way more polished they go back and they talk about things again so like you should be okay like if you're gonna read the comic books just start with in keeping secrets and I, i've been really enjoying it. it it's good it's not subpar in any way i don't think
0: so speaking of which, the uh, the titular track, track number two, In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3, begins with this quiet, clean, like, lovely, beautiful guitar picking. It has this nice, a lot of these songs have this 6.8 meter to them that gives this, like, sing-songy, emotional yeah. feel to them, yeah. which is weird for a rock band, and especially weird for, like, prog rock metal leanings, uh, but works flawlessly. I think I mean, if I didn't know it was 6.8, I'd still, like, it wouldn't, it doesn't stand out to me because of that. They make it work really well, and then yeah, builds quickly into like these huge, heavy, distorted, like metally lead guitars, big old drums. It's an anthem. It's Very the sound anthemic, of an yes. anthem. Yes, and you even have like the anthemic like choirs in the background, uh going yeah, just going throughout the whole song. And yeah, it's you have this this guy screaming, "Man, your battle stations! Yeah, we have you home pretty soon. We'll have you home pretty no, soon.
1: We'll have you dead pretty soon. It's not we'll have you home pretty soon. No." we'll have you dead pretty soon Hold on, I'm pretty it, sure I, they, both? well they switch it out if they say home they definitely say home but they definitely say we'll have you dead pretty soon
0: uh, there's a lot of these
1: songs where they do both well they'll, yeah, they'll they sing the, a yeah. chorus
0: a certain way
1: and then they'll change it this, in, at the end yeah they get into that in, yeah a few of those songs but yeah they do yes. both, they, do they, do sing, both. Okay, they sing good.
0: both in the same chorus even <laughs> yeah there you go
1: I'm glad that we both nice. came to well it, done, we, awesome. we focus on two different things yeah This is, uh, if I can, and I didn't get all the way through the comic, I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't, but um, I've kind of got the general gist, but this song is not the first, like when you first read the first couple issues, it's not this. This this song is talking about some events that happened in the middle of this arc, and it's a battle, it's a big epic battle, not only a big epic battle, it's a big epic battle underwater. Whoa. And what? <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place. But that's the feeling you get when you hear the song. It's like this yeah. rousing, like this like battle anthem. And if you didn't know that part, you kind of feel that when you listen to it. Man, your battle battle stations, will have you home pretty soon. We'll have you dead pretty soon. The tremolo on the guitar and the
0: intro, the like uh-huh. wah, 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 sound yeah. of the
1: it is very watery. Yeah, watery sound. That
0: sounds like you're underwater. That's amazing. Wow. Uh,
1: And there's another thing in there that says, uh, man, your own jackhammers. Um, Yeah. The jackhammers is a type of ship that the enemy has. It's like this big, crazy multi-use Weapon. ship. That's yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Jeez. So, there's things in there that are literally part of a comic book part of the story, but even with lines like man your battle stations will have you home pretty soon, like I'm sure this resonates with people in the military and people that not even just people not in the military, just people that have battles in their own life, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um and you know, I haven't had to do that, but You know, there's things in in everyone's life where they feel like they're going through battle. And like, this is a song that really kind of jacks you up to feel like you can take on anything. But if you break down into all the lyrics, it's really talking about this. Uh, I shouldn't say it's really talking about it is referencing a a battle in a comic book as well. So it's cool that, again, it's an example of it meaning different things and being totally cool that it means different things. It can totally mean different things for people. Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, then we get to track three cuts marked in the March of Men. I feel like these are all tongue twisters for some they reason. Are, they probably are. It's probably some <laughs> cool joke. It is. Uh, yeah. But this is another battle,
1: I think, from at least story wise. Yeah, there's two. There's another big battle, and this one, the bad guy gets defeated. But this takes this actually takes place early on in in those in those comics, right? Uh, this one takes place after. The one we just talked about. Oh, it does. Okay. Okay. And I don't know specifically if it is talking about that, but there's a couple references in there of the people that are in it and they haven't been introduced at that point. Oh, uh, I gotcha. Okay. The brother of Cohen Cambria, Inferno, created two more of these IRO bots, actually more of them um, than just two, but these two special ones. And there is a little bit of a narrative between them. But this song kind of jumps back and forth from a few different point of views. Um, But it's kind of the the big parts of it um, are from the point of view of this guy named Sizer trying to protect his sister. They're cyborgs, so they're not you know really brother and sister. They they are brother and sister anyway. His sister Chase Chase ends up being um, kind of the savior of the battle, and she she's like this focal point for these Valkyrie like angels um called the prize they're kind mm-hmm. of like the guardians yeah, of yeah. they're the guardians of god's will and they come in and they help with this man it's such a it's so weird to such talk such a about weird this world man yeah totally <laughs> uh but they come in and so this song is kind of this guy sizer is trying to like it's that line if i can't have her then i i, I shouldn't live anymore yeah, yeah so yeah, okay it, like i said for me it was for a love interest for him it's for his sister like you know and yeah and It blurs the lines there a little bit, um, but that's kind of what this song is talking about. But there's a a lot of good stuff. And this is the one that
0: reminded me of the Mars Volta the most like this is the one that that's the third track in but I was like oh my gosh not only his voice yeah, but that like very like we don't really care about time signatures we're gonna write this song because we like it and like we're just gonna have yeah. like random guitar solos every 30 seconds
1: yeah we're gonna it, break it down Yeah, and then we're gonna come back up with it and, Yeah, like, exactly. super
0: fast heavy stuff and then go into like a classical guitarist for 30 seconds yeah it's just kind of all over the place and it works right alright three evils embodied in love and shadow speaking of Sizer Sizer goes through some stuff Pretty early
1: on. He goes through some some, (laughs) big stuff. Some big stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is a song where they're basically torturing him. Which, this is the one that gets stuck in my head the most, by the way. Not, not favor. I think a favor house almost like went through my system for the past 15 years and and out. Yeah. But like in re listening to this for the past week or so, this is the one the pull the trigger and the nightmare stops. Yeah. Forever you will, forever you will learn. Which is super dark. But yeah, Yeah. they sing it over and over and over. And I should mention, we haven't said this at all, that almost all of the lyrics throughout the entire song have at least two part harmonies. So it's just like these beautiful, it is people say that, that Claudio's voice gets on their nerves. I think because it's so high, it's like led Zeppelin range, like really high classic rush or yeah. 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 But at the same time, it's gorgeous because there's all these harmonies going throughout. There's a lot of background vocals and, and choirs and stuff. Like it's, it's not just one guy with a high voice, like shrilly, like, like screaming and it very rarely screams. That happens. But like, It's very thoughtfully done and very uh, I guess like technically proficient in how he sings for sure.
1: And I think it happens a couple times in their first album where like you can definitely hear where it gets a little pitchy or like he, he misses the note a little bit. Sure. Maybe. Oh interesting but like in in this album w- with that voice like it's not always that super high falsetto he has a range to it for sure yeah and there's always points in it where i'm like oh is he going to hit that oh he got right. it yeah. nice yeah Auto-tune, maybe i don't i doubt it um, in i listened to him live I mean, and he hit, It
0: does sound really polished he hits it live
1: but yeah. hey uh, there you go the album is polished and that's yeah. that's again why i chose it i was like yeah, this guy's got a high voice. I mean, I listened to some some Rush, so like Limelight and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna kill me that I can't remember lead singer's name from Rush, and you guys can all shoot me for this. Geddy Lee? Lee. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you took some of those songs and like pumped up the tempo a little bit, they would be really close yeah. to to Coheed. And that's I, true. I I know. I think uh, there's been interviews with the band. He's like, "Nah, we're nothing like Rush, but there's influence." There's definitely influence, but anyway, it's yeah. it's uh, it's kind of one of those things. Is people that sing like that can pull it off if they can pull it off.
0: Yeah, oh, no, totally, exactly.
1: <laughs> Otherwise, it's just like ah, oh, no, I can't do
0: this. He's almost showing off at this point because yeah. other people can't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about Sizer being tortured and not betraying the rebellion and screaming to his torturer Mayo, yeah, saying "kill me," and and the, and the nightmare stops basically. Like he and, he and he tricks him into killing him. And and ending his torture and not getting any information from him.
1: He's like, yeah, kill me. The nightmare stops. I'm good. And, like, you're not going to get anything. But he yeah. ends up torturing him some more and stuff. Yeah. But um, he it, does, like, tear him to shreds. I saw the one still. Yeah. It's, it's rough. It's rough. There's a lot of brains in this comic book. <laughs> it's a lot of brains. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. But it's yeah. kind of like, oh, okay. yeah,
0: Yeah. I'm definitely glad it's in comic form and not in, like, Game of Thrones form. Video form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: so, yeah, yeah. It's
0: a little gory. This has very Game of Thrones moments, for sure, though.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: All right. Track five, the crowing. Which, by the way, I have some questions about the crowing. We'll get into in okay. this, but Perfect. let me build up I the song. I think I know first. just enough. Cool. So heavy riffs, very metally, uh, yeah. but still has some like lighter stuff throughout. Kind of like we were saying, very diverse song. Uh, it Has these like slower, beautiful melodies, and the refrain is,
1: uh, "But you, you were my favorite. But you, you know, you were my favorite." Yeah, that bridge is so soft and like, mm. yeah. You're not- so the crowing is uh this um in their like in their biblical text that they have i can't remember what it's called um god is going to send this person or this being called the crowing that will be what sets everything right again is this different than the writer think so
0: okay because i know that at some point they like break the fourth wall and claudio like talks to the writer which is Claudio. Oh, the writer
1: yeah so that's i believe in the in the, in oh, the next album okay. Okay. Yeah, okay yeah
0: yeah then his powers don't work against the writer i love yeah because claudio sanchez is writing this story of course mm-hmm. his character's powers wouldn't work against him it's just genius anyway keep it's going. cool yeah that I mean, is pretty cool I- It's, it's, it's
1: awesome how they can turn it on their head like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the crowing is just this, this savior that's going to come and they keep pointing to, uh, Claudio Kilgannon, and Cambria's, uh, only surviving son as this person. And throughout the majority of this, at least 50% of this, this arc of the comic, Claudio is this drunk bum that lives under the streets because there's a couple there's a couple lyrics in there you know uh, i'll live under the streets until i can walk across the face again so it's talking about you know somebody that's kind of laying low doesn't have self-esteem doesn't think they are who they think they are the other part of this is coheed claudio's dad is coming to him in visions and trying to get him to fulfill his role as quote the crowing To save everybody from this big, big, nasty dude, uh, Wilhelm Ryan. And so this song is like the turmoil that um, is shown in the comic book of Claudio basically yelling, yelling into nothingness at this, you know, specter of his dad and saying, you know, I'm my own man. I can do what I want to do. You're not going to you're not. That's not my plan for my life. And it's, it's always been your plan, but you're dead. Who cares? You know? Right. So, um, that's kind of, that's this song. I like this song because of what it does. Um, the hard sounds, the, the sweet sound uh, of it and the bridge. Um, but it's this like inner turmoil of like the savior that doesn't want to fill that role.
0: Yep. Yep. yep, Yeah. Uh, and then we get into another single blood red summer, which is this, like some really cool, Mechanics or things that they do in the song That I've never really heard before and mm-hmm. uh, It starts with this like slower start Whispering conversation and has these like Call and response Like verses where they have someone talking And it's Claudio both times the lead singer But then he, I think it's him I don't know if they do it live But uh, and then it has him Using like a whispering voice to kind of like Answer back so It's almost like him talking to himself but using two voices Throughout the song It's a fascinating way of portraying a conversation Between two people within one song
1: it's cost me scarring if the words stay true. Even number your never don't wanted, don't wanna be more Yeah, so this really I mean, poppy. from a musical standpoint it's like so poppy yeah. so like it's not like any, of it. it's like Beach Boise. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, you know what it makes me think of is... Um, that thing you do? Uh, doing that thing you do. Yes. yeah, Totally. That thing you do. Doing for sure. that thing
0: you... Yes, exactly. That's it. very uh, much so.
1: It's so weird that it's so happy, bright, and poppy. Yeah, and I think what the um now that I've listened to it again, the, the call and response, it sounds like it's the conversation he's having with with his dad.
0: Oh, okay, because I, I was thinking, and uh, well, what well, I was thinking, I didn't read it, but what, in in what I read, it was him talking with. I guess it could be his dad, but Inferno and Ambolina, oh, okay. but basically the same conversation. So it could be with his dad, but yeah, people pushing him towards the crowing and, and towards the meaning of embracing his powers yeah. and him kind of pushing that life and wanting to just have an ordinary life, pushing that away, wanting nothing to do with it. But yeah, I think it's just talking about all of the voices in his life saying that.
1: Yeah. And there's a point, there's a point in the comic where, uh, Coheed, the visions he has of Coheed kind of go away but then immediately real life flesh and blood people come into um, Claudio's life and are saying the same things oh, and perfect. like are physically like grabbing him like let's go let's go like you are the one you know and he's like no 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 no
0: there we go so yeah sweet
1: so we're all right perfect yeah <laughs> all
0: right and then we get into uh, a one two and three parter in track 7 8 and 9 which is the camper of Valurium or sometimes the Valurian camper depending on which version of the album you bought Right. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, I had the Valorium Camper version.
0: Which cuz the the name of Al Ship is the Valorium Camper, right? Yeah. So that makes more sense to me. But on Spotify it's the Camper Valorium, so that's what I'm going with. Spotify changed <laughs> a couple
1: things that aren't in uh, the original really? and it, not in a major way, but just in a flow kind of way. Yeah, oh so, interesting. Anyway.
0: Okay. So yeah, the Camper Valorium 1, Faint of Hearts, uh it's, which is to me immediately it was like, "Oh, this is Panic at the Disco type." Yeah. Like pop punk. <laughs> Not pop punk like MXPX, but like this like new wave of pop punk of the last 10, 15 years, uh, in the verses at least. It's, uh, again, going to that lighter feel of of Coe and Camry than the first couple songs. But one thing that was interesting that in reading the lyrics was throughout the chorus, they end it with my love. And at the very end, they say, so the line is, so I bid to you goodnight tonight, sleep tight, my love. Right. And the very last time he sings it, it's, so I bid to you goodnight tonight, sleep tight, my gun. Yeah. yeah. So I've throwing it to you. What is the significance behind that? I don't
1: know. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. But I don't know. The, where I get it is it with this is kind of signifying the Al the Killer arc. It was a dark character. It's super dark character. Super weird character. You know he's bad from the get go, but you kind of kinda like him a little bit. But then yeah. you're like, No, no, this guy's this guy's the worst. And he gets um, compared to Han
0: Solo, I read a couple times online. I think you told me that too. It's like Han Solo we type. Oh, I was just
1: joking. No, I heard, I read that a few times also, though. I, well, I mean, he's kind of... Yeah, I guess he's the... That's funny. I think that's on the co Cambria wiki. He is not Han Solo. That's what it says. Oh, my gosh. Han Solo is a saint compared to this guy. Yeah, I, I agree. And he, <laughs> I guess he kind of fulfills that role. He's kind of the, the ship smuggler, you know, the, the, but he's also a serial killer, like a right. legit, terrible serial yes. killer. Anyway... Um, yeah, that's all I got from that was kind of basically the, my love turning into my gun thing was, so in the beginning of the beginning of the comic, he gets, uh, kicked out of, uh, his girlfriend's house. Okay. Like he's had a girlfriend for a while. She was like a pilot in the, the red army. Yeah. Um, anyway, she, she kicks him in the nuts literally and, uh, has the police take him away or something like that. Mm. So, the rest of his story, he's uh, perpetually picking up these, these women and you don't, it's always a different woman. You don't know what's going on until you find out he's, he's killing them, which yeah. is terrible. Um, there's a point of where he's talking to one of these women and he's like, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm sorry. I'm killing you basically, but you didn't do anything wrong. If you did anything wrong, it was God gave you a face that looked like hers. Yikes. So dark, uh, so the my love thing, I think it, it's, a, it, it's setting up the story of, you know, he is always searching for that, his love that he lost. Yeah. And then he figures out the only thing that he can love is a weapon.
0: Which that's, you just explained, you started with, I don't know. And then you explained the lyrics perfectly. So well done.
1: Yeah. So I guess <laughs> that's what this podcast is all about, baby.
0: Nice. All right. All right. And so, yeah, it's it's three songs back to back to back. Uh, and so the next one is Camper Valorium 2, Back End of Forever. Uh, and yeah. at this point, we should say in the story, I don't think we said, that Claudio, Ambelina, and Sizer are all looking for a way off-world. Yes. And they uh, they hire Al the Killer uh, in his ship, the Valerian Camper, to get him off-world. Uh, and some point in here,
1: he sees a bounty for Claudio. Yeah. And that's the thing. Some of the timing and stuff changes between the music and the comic but he before before they even get on a ship off world he knows that there's a there's this old bounty on Claudio's head the troublesome thing about the time period um is that they've captured Wilhelm at this point the bad guy yeah and he's standing trial and so like the Red Army's scattering you know but there seems to be this plan that's still because he like works. gave himself up a little too easy yeah exactly so Al finds this old bounty he wonders if it's any good or not he doesn't know because everything kind of in turmoil but whatever he knows that um claudia is worth something yeah, um, yeah even to the point of where he helps him fight off a bunch of bad guys at one right. point anyway all right so we'll get there but uh yeah yeah i think
0: i think back into forever is is mainly kind of a the backstory of of al the killer for the but lyrically
1: yeah the end of this song i i I really like it's just one of those. And the Mars Volta does this, too. It's just those kind of like rousing, like throw up your arms and just like just kind of join in sing-songy with an a- anthem. A lot of o yeah. Uh, oh, like it, a lot of the times I I listen to these songs, it's like you could you could kind of change some of the music and it would be like a rousing like bar chant, you know? Yeah,
0: totally, totally. Just
1: swinging, swinging beers and just yelling at the top of your lungs.
0: I'm sure live when you have five thousand people all singing this at the same time, the shows are just insane. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A lot of a lot of background choirs.
1: I didn't go to any of those. The show that I went to was like two hundred people. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So weird. That's cool. It was so awesome. It was so weird. And it,
0: it ends with this like dripping water and then like a heartbeat and then yeah. this harpsichord plinking piano, which again can kind of, when you find out what he did with the bodies can kind yeah. of, to me, it was that scene visually where it was all yeah. of the bodies hanging, which is again, pretty dark. So let's move on. Okay. The Valurium Camper 3, Camper valorium 3, Al the Killer, the End of the Al arc. But yeah, even more ominous this song. It, lots of tempo and meter changes, very kind of scatter shot.
1: Yeah, hardest song of the whole album.
0: Oh yeah, okay. So it's it's a lot of like pitch shifting on the vocals too. So a lot of times mm-hmm. Claudio has this like lower, like demonic sounding sometimes like voice under him singing the same thing he's singing, which gives it this much like thicker sounding vocals. Uh, but yeah, this is the one that I wouldn't even read the lyrics. They're really dark lyrics. They're about Al the Killer and yeah. his victims. And I think if you didn't have the comics, this would be a song that I'd be like, maybe I don't like Coheed and Cambria as much. <laughs> like, I don't know like what their beliefs are. And like you know what I mean? I'd assume this was Claudio, the lead singer, singing about his life.
1: Sure. And it's obviously not. And that's the funny thing, too, is like, I'm right there with you, but I don't think anybody happens along the band coheed and cambria without knowing that there's a story behind it yeah i guess like if you're just like bouncing around spotify and like picking different things like
0: I, well that's the difference between this and like the like and the rush like sci-fi stuff is like this the lyrics are never as direct as like and i got in my spaceship and i flew away and got my laser gun and we fought <laughs> out the aliens you know what i mean it's not like yeah obviously yeah. this is a story because so many of his, so much of his lyrics are intellectual and personal and psychological, right? They're the same thing that these guys are go, going through in this sci-fi world that humans yeah. are going through. We talked about it already, right? Being able to relate to these like dark things, or not even dark, but these sci-fi type things in our real life in relationships, and so I could see, I could see someone just like finding this randomly on a Spotify playlist and being like, "What the hell yeah. is this guy going through?"
1: yeah exactly um yeah it's weird, but it it kind of draws you in though that's true the the two parts of that song are the verse and the chorus, the verse and the chorus are two completely different types of music, yeah that's true you get that yeah like you said that driving the that driving first the verses that ja, da, 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 and yeah the the deep uh voice changing, and then it's the choruses. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's true. Night, night, night. It you is can totally almost snap night. your that's fingers
1: true. to it. It's so weird. And that's that song. I I I don't skip over that song when I listen to it. No, I mean. It's, it's, it's dark, but it's kind of the fun. chorus is
0: catchy as hell.
1: <laughs> it's catchy, exactly. And, na, na, na. Yeah, and yeah. therein I lay my case. And best album ever. If you can take those lyrics yeah. and kind of like, and it sticks in your head. And man, we're go. We're all going to hell. But know. you know, it's yeah. it's
0: good. It's good. It's good. Is it good? All right. <laughs> all right. So let's end the Valurium Camper road trip uh, with a favorite House Atlantic, which is the biggest single. Uh, and it was again um, I think it was yeah. the only one that the only kohe song that I knew before diving into this album oh uh, yeah it's just a kickass song this album is hour and nine minutes long and it's 12 tracks which is almost six minutes per song <laughs> and this one is comes in at a cool 355 yeah this is Put the, that right on the radio right exactly throw it on the radio throw it on Rock live 105 uh and the whole thing it has i think listening to the song just for like the first time i'd be like it has like three choruses in the sense that like there's like three different things that stick in my head yeah there's just like catchy throughout the like the verses the bridge the chorus everything's catchy it sticks with me different parts stick in my head different times uh yeah and it ends with this like backward recording effect which i thought was really cool i never heard on the radio of course it's only on the album but sure uh, but yeah just a, a very complex very well written song
1: yeah another complex crazy song but it's it's a upbeat yeah. like it's uh if you watch the music video for it which music videos mean nothing and especially when it comes to Code and cambria like it's this weird like halloween party that they're like yes. running around trying to like and it's just like what is going on but this song's like about a big battle another big battle song right yeah, yeah yeah and you it's completely juxtaposed to what how the song sounds how poppy it is how poppy this song is and it's you know good eye sniper like we're shooting guys and stuff and i'll shoot you run i'll shoot you run Jeez. um but uh but yeah you know it's it's just another one of those amalgams that songwriting produces sometimes um listening there we'll put a link in the description too if you just want to hear uh claudio sanchez is kind of a he's he's just a big nerd and uh he goes on one of the uh youtube channel i go to every once in a while um guys called game grumps and they bring people on every once in a while they just play some video games and ask them questions and they play star wars battlefront I love it. While interviewing Claudio Sanchez while he's playing with them and he divulges where he got the good eye sniper verse. Um, yeah. So he, his, one of his, uh, managers at the time was in the, was in the army and they were, uh, he, he retired out of the army and he was doing this managing gig and they're in some town that they don't know. And they're trying to find a target or a Walmart or something to pick up batteries or something stupid like that. And they're like, they don't know where they are. And Claudio, says, oh, there it is. And he goes, ah, good eye, Sniper. And he's like, I'm using that in a song. Wow. So it's awesome. I thought that was a good example of like this band isn't just trying to like make up these crazy story songs just because they're a band and they like get influences and they hear fun things that they like and they want to make a song out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's. It's it's uh it's not all like this big four dimensional chess game that they're trying to put in all this all this work into into the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right, Jack Eleven, the light and the glass. By the way, the last two tracks are uh, combined, nineteen minutes and fifteen seconds. So so yeah, get ready for the next two tracks. And actually, it was a little <laughs> weird with the last track, right? The last track is a secret track. Yes, and there was like there was like a bunch of tracks in between that were like between five and ten seconds
1: long. Yeah, so that was that was one of those things that you could only get when you listen to it on a CD, right? Right, right. On Spotify, it just goes from it's, one to the other. Right, right. You'll but when some you had magic. this album, like, I didn't hear the last track, which we'll talk about in a minute, 2113, until, like, I accidentally, I mean, how anybody hears some of these accidental tracks. And it was at the 21, 21 minute, 13 second mark of track 11. Wow. Okay, gotcha. Is when that song started. And so there wasn't like a bunch of little tracks. It was track eleven, twenty-one minutes and thirteen seconds into it, starts the song twenty one thirteen. Which
0: is also what I've heard is the time on the clock when Cohen Cambria had to kill the family. Yeah. And as told uh, which is anyway, oh I mean, let's get to that after. Well, maybe yeah. We maybe already did it. But yeah, track eleven, light in the glass, uh is again another six eight kind of a ballad this
1: lovely slow down acoustic guitars yeah
0: swaying back and forth lighter feel (laughs) uh, with the refrain of liar 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 over and over in the bridge in like a sing-songy
1: kid voice totally yeah
0: Yeah, it has this at the same time this crazy guitar solo and these like haunting choir singing over each other uh, singing pray for us all pray for us all pray for us all uh and then i mean this is a nine and a half minute song and i feel like i'm just like rambling because there's a lot that happens but it ends with like this, like Glockenspiel melody. it's yeah. like lovely. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. um, that theme they end on. So you're kind of like bookending the saga the, so the far. The plot, right? But yeah, this the, the funny anecdote I have. This is my wife is not a fan of Claudio's voice. Um, gotcha. So yep. these last couple weeks, I've been trying to play this album as much as I can to soak up, you know, the feels, and and you know, trying to be critical about it, so I could come on this podcast. Yeah. This is the song I'll start listening to if she's in the car with me i'll put it onto this track <laughs> nice <laughs> because it starts out kind of like nice and sweet but then it's also cool because it it changes throughout that whole nine minutes you know crazy rock and roll souls they have those uh that metallica like synchronized guitar or for sure You could see them on the stage like just all like doing the same guitar movements back to back and like swaying their guitar head like machine gunning their guitars and stuff so you got that and then you've got like yeah glockenspiel and and, like acoustic guitar and like a kid voice almost and it's yeah it's funny it's just the one I, i start my wife on slowly the pen touches paper in the guidance of the words that you write
0: And it's a slow build, too, so the, <laughs> those Metallica-type parts creep on you in, like, six minutes in or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's <laughs> you can build up to it slowly, sneak it in there. Yeah. The, so Jesse Kilgannon, is that Inferno? Yes. Okay, Inferno. Gotcha. That was you seeing that used back and forth, Jesse and, and Inferno. But, yeah, that's him, from what I read, breaking some bad news to, to Claudio, or it's from the perspective of Claudio, basically, like, feeling the weight of the crowing and like seeing his future of like what he's, of, gonna like, have what to he's do. yeah i've seen everything yeah. he's gonna have to do as as the crowing in future comic books right
1: yeah sweet uh it's kind of just the cliffhanger yeah it's that this whole story is kind of building to this point of kind of in the last track where you've got your team together yeah right your team is gonna go in and defeat the bad guy but uh there's more to come you know so yeah. um it's kind of that uh cliffhanger for for you so and then
0: Secret Track, Secret Track 2113 is, yeah, nine nine or almost ten minutes long mm-hmm. and is as diverse as the light in the glass. I mean, I sat down and listened to it three times straight yesterday. Yeah. and was, like, trying to figure out, like, a paragraph to write about it and was just, like, too much happens in this nine and a half minutes.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about it. It's um, this kind of, like, I almost get this feeling of, like, puppet master looking over the it's kind of like this hidden narrator that's kind of you can almost just see him like over all these characters kind of pulling the strings and which would
0: make sense as a secret track too i mean it's not in the actual album it's kind of separate from
1: that yeah and uh, and then it it ties back into some of the tracks from the first album to that time consumer riff yeah yeah anyway yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a, a refrain of that and so it's kind of like you've got this yeah, you know, like puppet master clockmaker kind of looking over right um, and kind of setting you up for what's going to happen in the future mm-hmm. and that whole arc that i don't understand 100 but the writer where um I, what i understand in the next arc is that claudio writes in this character that is the writer of that story. Right. So it's like this mind break where this break of the fourth wall, where everybody in the universe we were just talking about finds out that they're just like the products of a creator, like literally writing wow. the story down, which, and it goes back and forth. It's, it's at weird. That point I There have, are
0: three Claudios because Claudio Sanchez is the writer, lead singer. Uh-huh. And he wrote right. in Claudio Kilgannon, which is loosely ish based on Claudio himself. And then he writes yeah. the writer, which is literally himself. So there's Claudio Kilgannon, the writer and Claudio Sanchez, which is all versions of Claudio.
1: Right. And I, if I think in some of the interviews, he's like, none of these Claudios are really me. Sure. Well, yeah, he's not like, completely, there's right? yeah, not yeah. this much drama in my life. But yeah, but that was also one of the key reasons why he started the band was that he had this idea and it kind of sprouted from like some real life things. But he just started elaborating it to the point of where it became fiction, just and science fiction. And so he's like, here's the story. And let's let's do this, guys. You know, they're guys in a garage in New York. And I love it. They're, they're going from one idea, and so the, I, I think that's kind of where this kind of sums it up is, yeah, his name's Claudio, and there's this writer and this and that, but it's it's a work of science fiction, totally, and by bringing in the writer and stuff, it really messes things up, and yeah really yeah. turns it into a you know crazy story that people can talk about, and
0: something that pushes the medium of comic books even further too., yeah. which is cool. Yeah, did, did I,
1: we'll, we'll have to I, I'm definitely going to put this by on uh, on Jason's desk and we need we need to talk about this more in depth. So if you didn't get enough out of us talking about this comic book here, this has convinced me we got to we got to dig deep in this one and, and get it straight because it changed things for me listening to this album for years and years and years and never reading the comic books and then reading the comic books and being like, holy, whoa, crazy. I, now it's all starting to come together, but still at the end of all this, it there's a plot that makes a little bit more sense to me, but it still isn't like hundred percent clear. Right. I just like the music. <laughs> yeah. Which is totally fair too. I guess that's a good way to, to end the track list is like, yeah, yeah, we got through this. There's a big story, but I just like the music. It's not best comic ever. It's best album ever. So that works. Best album ever, baby.
0: All right. Uh, we've gone way over, which is great. Uh, I think that's, I have actually one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's about a different album. So do you have anything more about this album that you want to add?
1: Uh, no, okay. no we've, yeah, we've got this one. All right. All right. So, so pop quiz. Uh, okay. What
0: is, this is kind of giving me this idea in the past five minutes, the fact that you can love this album and then a comic, a sci-fi comic is based on this album and it makes it even better. What's one other album that you love that you would most want to see a comic written about? Preferably like a comic that's like, oh. you know, like a, a genre version. So like sci-fi or like a Western or, or a thriller version of oh, that album. Cool
1: that's a great question.
0: Um, You want me to go first? Yeah. So again, this is me kind of thinking off the top of my head here, but I think I would go Pearl Jam 10, which is a cliche, right? It's like a top 10 album, rock album, whatever. It's like the start of the grunge movement and all that. Sure. But still, it's one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time. It was my favorite album for almost all of my adolescence. Uh, And I would love to see a sci-fi version of the song Alive or Black, my favorite song. I mean, or or like Jeremy. Everyone knows Jeremy. There's Even Flow. There's so much relationship and psychology. And if you could not only weave all of those songs together somehow, but weave them in a way that had like a sci-fi feel to it or some sort of genre feel. Uh, mm-hmm. That, you know, you gave powers to the main character and had him kind of going through oh, all the- like a
1: real like superhero. Yeah, yeah, totally. I nice. think that'd be
0: super cool. And just give me a whole new appreciation for the album.
1: Uh, yeah, I think
0: that'd be that would be pretty cool.
1: So let's see. This might work. Yes. OK, this is this is what i um so the other band that I listened to at the like pretty much the same time period is Coheed and Cambria, which is really strange. It's Two ends of the spectrum. Coheed and Cambria was one of my favorite bands at the same time as Dave Matthews Band. Yes, busted so, stuff. Uh, no, <laughs> <not> busted. <laughs> no, no. Oh, wow. That'd just be that'd just be him walking around giving people hugs. Yeah, everywhere totally, he goes, totally. a comic book of hugs. Yeah. Uh, and it was a it, it's a good way to bring up uh, a runner up to my best album ever was going to be uh dave matthews before these crowded streets oh there you go um it's got this kind of it's got a darker vibe to it like the song the last stop it's like this that world's gonna end and we're ruining the world and followed by the song don't drink the water the um before these crowded streets is kind of like this social commentary on on what we're doing to the world around us so it'd be kind of cool to see like a western comic or like a spy comic based on this of of there's like a lot of different like world elements to this album as well um so i almost see like this like james bondy type of comic oh, for sure uh, a lot world, of
0: saxophone very noir-esque
1: globe trotting trying to like stop this this uh this evil plan of uh monsanto taking over the world or something like that i don't know (laughs) yeah i like that Uh, that. but i I think that would be i would i would definitely read that comic if someone could uh put a comic book together with uh dave matthews uh before these crowded streets yeah that'd be awesome (laughs) i'm just listening to crush right now as you talk i'm like yeah the love interest the love interest pops in i love it (laughs) i'm gonna try to add more bonus questions into this podcast that was fun
0: All right, so I think that's all we have for you, man. Anything else to to leave the people with? Definitely listen to uh, How to Read Comics. We'll try to have more of those episodes for people in the future. Yeah, Yeah, we took a little bit of sabbatical. Got a little crazy
1: around here, but we'll be back. We'll be back soon.
0: Sweet. All right, and for uh, listeners, if you like the show, go ahead and rate us and review us on iTunes. That would really help us out. Uh, Check out more podcasts on the Overthink Podcast Network at overthinkpod.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, of course. Like and subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future guests or future albums, feel free to email me at overthinkpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Have a good one.